passion that they want something new but believing bits of this and that will never get you through cause Jesus is the only way to God just one truth lots of lies just one way through Jesus Christ just one Precious people to believe We got to speak the truth in love And pray the Lord would make them see That was Jesus is the Only Way to God by Colin Bachanan. <laughs> A totally amazing song. Oh, it's an amazing day. Every day is an amazing day. I want you to know how much God loves you. He wants you to know the truth. And he wants you to follow the truth, not lies, not be deceived. It's all according to his will which is perfect in every way. Some people don't like the fact that God is so particular and pedantic, but he is for a good reason. And so, as some of you know, I've had some very strange experiences recently with my own life, testing me um, with various aspects of the heart and desires and lusts of the flesh and all sorts of things. So it has led me to uh, some 
teachings and Bible lessons in the matters concerning everything that leads you away from God and to define what is right and what is wrong and what is truth and what is lies and all those different aspects which come into it. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, it's Aisha from God FM, and my uh, Bible school lesson today is What Are Fake Christians? I think that's a very good question. <laughs> you know, I have actually found that if you cannot define the truth and what a Christian really ought to be, then you'll have problems with others who claim to be Christians. So uh, it's a bit like if you work in a bank, you know, if you work in a bank, you're able to determine which is a fake note and which is a real note because you can quickly identify it because you can tell it's a different texture uh, and it probably has a slightly different ink and uh, it's probably slightly thicker. Um, it might be slightly darker. Um, it folds differently. It feels slightly different. Yes. So in the same way, the only way you'd know it is if you're familiar with the word and the truth. So um, that's the way I think. But when you're new <laughs> to the Lord and following the Lord, this can be tricky because um, you've got many people who claim to be Christians and children of God. But they don't uh, follow the principles of the Bible. And so it can be confusing because you think that what they're doing is the right way. But it can often be not the right way and it's to lead you astray. <laughs> so, yes, it's not easy. Okay. But if it was easy, everyone would be able to do it. Okay. And the only way you're going to learn is if you make mistakes. And, uh, you know, get your heart broken a few times. Um, you know, when you lean on people and you trust them and then you find out that they are not worth trusting, maybe you get betrayed or they backstab you or whatever. Uh, and then you, you come back to the Lord and you go, oh, that really hurt me. <laughs> I don't understand. <gasps> Thought they were Christians. <laughs> <clears throat> Often you find this with people, you know, they believe in God, yes, and uh, but they don't really follow God. Uh, they haven't truly received the salvation from God. Uh, they believe in some type of God. They, they tend to say things like, well, you know, when you're in trouble, all people cry out to God. Yeah. But the, the thing is, it's about knowing the voice of God and knowing his will uh, and his truth so that you don't deviate off his pathway. Um, and that only comes through receiving the free gift, accepting that you're a sinner, submitting everything to God so it's his will in your life, not your own will. Um, and this takes uh, a meek person and a humble person, but it only happens when they're broken, I've found. So many people can, you know, be brought up by Christian family and whatever, but, you know, they they haven't uh, 
experience that loss of being betrayed or whatever. So the identity of who they are is assumed. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and uh, so, you know, I don't know exactly what will happen with those people. But I know that in, in my life, God broke me. I had to be broken to come to God. Had to be betrayed so that I sought uh, righteousness and I sought, sought justice and I sought true love and companionship. But also because I had no one else, I leaned on God. And so I talked to him more about everything and I stopped talking to others. You know when you've got a problem and you'll ring all your buddies up and you go, hey, I've got a problem. <laughs> Don't know what to do. Um, and often they will abandon you or maybe even make things more difficult and blame you for whatever's wrong in your life or whatever. Um, and so then you come to God eventually. <laughs> so in this way you learn that you can only trust in God. So very interesting, I think. Okay. So, um, the reason I'm doing this, as I say, is because I'm going to be doing a series of things that identify how we get led astray. So this will include lusts of the flesh, the will of God and the will of man, and fake Christians and various different aspects that identify truth and lies um, according to what is written, um, what is in the Bible. Um, this, it's very interesting, you see. It's like, oh gosh, this is amazing. So what the Lord's showing me is, you know, if you were, um, you had a problem vehicle and... Uh, <laughs> You decided, you know, I don't know how to fix this car, but I'm going to try and do it myself. And uh, But I don't have a manual. <laughs> so I'm just going to, you know, wing it. Hmm. So in the same way, those people who claim to be Christians and they don't have a relationship with God um, and they haven't read the Bible, they wing it. Actually, I, I, I must also point out that for many years I hadn't read the Bible. I knew most of the stories. And um, <laughs> I was also misled because I had a version of truth in my own mind that didn't actually match up uh, with the Bible. I didn't realize why God has such strong legal principles in place um, and so, you know, I thought it was okay to deviate, you know, tell a white lie to maybe follow the lusts of the flesh, you know, years ago. Because I thought, well, everyone else is doing it. <laughs> but this is not the way the Lord wants us to be. And since I read the Bible and I read all the other books, I feel very, um, very broken, very humbled by it. I realized that, um, <laughs> I was leaning on my own understanding and the principles 
of the Bible, everything within it is your foundation and template to work from. As a comparison, a bit like the original banknotes I was saying earlier. So, you know, also what I've encountered is I've met people and they said, oh, yes, I've come to God and I'm now also a Christian. But they haven't truly repented and they haven't truly received Jesus Christ. And they they don't believe they have to repent. They don't believe they should have to. You know, it's not their fault they were born into the world. And they, they rebel. Um, and so there's a sense of anger as well that goes on in them. And also that they know better. Um, and so their sense of righteousness is their own version of it. And it is not accurate. It is incorrect always because they haven't leaned on the Bible for their understanding and the truth. You see, also, the Spirit of God cannot come inside you until you've truly, truly uh, repented and surrendered to the will of God and accepted your salvation and forgiven all these people that have hurt you. And, and you have to turn from your sins. You have to want God to be in your life. You have to want it to be God's will, not your own. So very interesting. So it's not just about believing in God. It's about seeking to please God and to follow his commandments. And the laws of God were not written for fun. This is another thing that's very important as well. So you've got the principles within it of right and wrong. And they, they, they're just incredible uh, as a guide. It's very humbling, it is when you realize that actually there's nothing you can do to fight the will of God and fight the truth. You have to be in the truth. <laughs> there's no other way. <laughs> it's really amazing. And you have to keep feeding your um, your spirit with words of the Bible and your relationship with God. This makes you strong building your muscles and that way you've got a solid foundation and you're on the rock in that way okay let's go <laughs> what are fake christians the term fake christians may bring to your mind an image of someone who is a hypocrite although there are plenty of hypocritical christians we need to break this term down in order to accurately define what it means we know that the word fake suggests inauthenticity and counterfeits. A Christian is someone who has accepted Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior. This person is considered saved or born again because they have applied the principle found in Romans 10, colon 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The underlying factor that differentiates believers from non-believers is the Holy Spirit that abides within us. According to Ephesians 1, colon 13, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. With these two definitions in mind, we can define a fake Christian 
as being one who has not genuinely been born again, and yet they put on the persona as though they have. Perhaps this person chose to wear the Christian title so they could profit off the reputation similar to those jock poses back in the middle school. All of us have likely, at one time or another, attempted to fit in with a certain crowd. If an unbeliever discovered that they could gain a certain kind of acceptance through fitting in with a church crowd or Christian industry, they may have preferred to wear a church mask rather than actually accepting Christ into their hearts. But if someone wanted to wanted the acceptance or the benefits that come with being a Christian, why wouldn't they? You know, actually become a Christian. One reason is that they may not believe in the message of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1 colon 18 reminds us that the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God's. Another reason is that while they may relish in their false Christian appearance, they are ultimately not willing to dedicate their hearts and lives to God. Being a true Christian would involve sacrificing their ungodly lifestyle or else they'd continue that lifestyle and live with the guilt. The enemy is a deceiver and he attempts to make Christianity look like bondage to unbelievers so they will choose to remain free to live for him instead. To summarize, fake Christians are those who have chosen a saved appearance rather than a saved heart. They care more about their status through the eyes of the church, their family, or a Christian industry rather than their status through the eyes of God. What is an authentic Christian? Question mark. An authentic Christian on the other hand, is one who has accepted Christ as his or her saviour. The light of the Holy Spirit abides within this person. In Matthew 7, colon 20, it provides an indication of how we can identify an authentic Christian. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, so you can identify people by their actions. The speech and actions of those authentic Christians overflow with fruit of the Spirit because Galatians 5, 22-23 tells us, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In addition, those whose hearts are abandoned to God have a concern for, bear with me, just turn the page, <laughs> matters that concern him and hatred toward evil. James 1, colon 27 tells us that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. This doesn't mean that these Authentic Christians do not commit sin. After all, Jesus is the only sinless human who walked the earth. In 1 Peter 2, 22, and Corinthians 5, 21, 1 John 3, 5, 
Hebrews 4, 15, rather than true believers commit sin. They are convicted by the Holy Spirit, see John 16, 18, and live a life of repentance. They are set free from living in bondage to sin and have been purified by the blood of the Lamb. Because believers know that we will someday give an account for the way we live our lives, 2 Corinthians 5, colon 10, authentic Christians strive to serve God and obey his word. They understand that God's opinion carries more weight than man's because Galatians 1, colon 10 reminds us, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. What is the difference between fake Christians and wayward Christians? Thankfully, our salvation is not determined by works, but by faith in Galatians 2.21. Otherwise, no one would be worthy enough to stand before God in eternity. With this in mind, let's be careful not to assume someone is a fake Christian because of their struggle with sin. As humans, we tend to look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the hearts. See 1 Samuel 16:7. God is the one who will ultimately determine a person's eternal fate. James 4:12 reminds us there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Question mark. There are those within the church who have genuinely accepted Christ as their savior and once committed their lives to him, but have since strayed from following his word, perhaps this Christian goes to church weekly, prays occasionally, and even loves God, but their love for him is not reflected in the way they live, speak, or make daily decisions. When we spot these Christians, let's refrain from passing judgment and instead extend godly love towards them, praying that the Holy Spirit will convict them. We can also pray about how we can play a role in leading that person back to the truth. James 5, 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save the person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Does scripture address the idea of fake Christians? Question mark. Scripture makes it clear that there are those who will call themselves Christians on earth, but when they reach eternity, their hearts and their true intentions will be revealed. Matthew 7, 21-23 says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. We also know that God despises a kind of Christianity in which a person is not committed to a godly lifestyle. Straddling the fence should never be an option for the true believer. Revelation 3, 15 to 16 says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were on or one or the other. 
But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Hmm. Very interesting this, isn't it? <laughs> Love you all in Christ, everyone. Okay, let's continue. Remember Judas Iscariot? He was once considered an apostle of Jesus, but his true motives were soon revealed. When he betrayed Jesus, it was proven that he was more interested in what he could gain from Jesus rather than how he could serve him. It is believed that Judas had a financial intention behind betraying Jesus. See Matthew 26, colon 14 to 15. Sadly, there are still many Judas Iscariots within the church today, people who perform like a Christ follower and may even be well-versed in Christianity. Christianese, as in the Bible, and yet their motives are purely for fleshly gain rather than spiritual gain. How to spot, spot a fake Christian? Let's ask the following spiritual scriptural questions. Does this person love this world and the things it offers them? 1 John 2, 25 says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Does this person love other believers? 1 John 3, 14 says, If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead. Does this person bear fruits of the Spirit, as addressed in Galatians 5, 22-23? Healthy fruits are an indication that a person is attached to the vine. John 15, colon 5. Does this person live according to the flesh or the spirit? Romans 8, colon 13. Do they express works of the flesh as addressed in Galatians 5, colon 19 to 21, such as drunkenness, sexual immorality, divisions? We are told in this passage that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In addition, Jesus says in Mark 7, colon 20 to 23, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Does this person possess a genuine fear of God? Proverbs 14, 2 says, He who walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Does this person teach a false gospel? By false gospel, I mean one that is different from the doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy 6, 3-5. Does this person's faith rest in the wisdom of men or in the power of God, 1 Corinthians 2, 5? Lastly, does this person overflow with the love of God as addressed in 1 Corinthians 13, 2? And is this worldly kind of love that tolerates sin, or is it the godly type of love that extends compassion on everyone but holds righteous anger towards sin? 
Again, let's be slow to judge and refrain from tossing accusations towards someone who claims to be a believer. After all, godly love is the kind that bears all things and believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, 1 Corinthians 13, colon 6-7. We can, however, use our wisdom and discernment to take heed of red flags when we see them, but this does not give us the right to gossip about someone within a congregation. Instead, we can find reassurance in the truth laid out in Ecclesiastes 12, colon 14, which says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Hmm. Very good. This isn't to say we are not held accountable to speak up about obvious sin within the church. See Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5, colon 12. Let's do this from a place of godly love rather than a holier-than-thou attitude like the Pharisees did in the parable found in Luke 18, 9-13. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. After all, the one whom you may deem as fake could be someone whose struggle with sin is merely more obvious than yours. So rather than pointing fingers, let's invest most of our merely more obvious than your more less let's invest most of our energy into our own faith journey, determined that we will be known as passionate followers of Christ. The godly love that we extend towards believers and non believers it speaks volumes louder than our Christian title. In fact, the loyalty and devotion we express towards God and others could be the very thing that leads those fake Christians to Christ. So we've got to set an example. I've come across a few people who, you know, don't display the characteristics of Christians and they'll tell lies and things, but I won't point it out. I'll I'll sit and assess. And in this way, I also know if they're true Christians or not. Um, and but I'll try and um, correct them in a nice way. Like say, I don't think lying's good or whatever, um, or stealing or whatever. You know, it's all you can do. <laughs> but you don't want to come over as if you're judging them either. Next heading, what is lusts of the flesh? Sinful lust is an overpowering desire for that which God has forbidden. First John 2, colon 15 to 16 mentions three types of lust that lead us into greater sin. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The lust of the eyes occurs when we see something visually that incites covetousness, jealousy, or sexual lust. The pride of life is the desire in every human being to be his or her own God. Arrogance, self-promotion, and greed all stem from the pride being to be his or her own God. Arrogance, 
self-promotion, greed, all stem from pride. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, is also one of the foes we fight. When the Bible refers to the flesh, it can mean one of two things. The first meaning of the word flesh pertains to living beings on earth, such as animals, birds and people. 1 Corinthians 15, colon 39 But most often the Bible uses the word flesh to refer to the propensity to sin. We possess in our earthly existence these desires. Our sinful nature, dominated by sin and rebellion, is so closely tied to the physical aspect of mankind that it is called the flesh. Every human being born of the flesh, the union between man and woman, that produced another flesh-bound human, desires that arise from being fleshly creatures in a fallen world can quickly become sinful lusts. Desires that arise from the fact that we are earth-bound fleshly creatures are not sins in themselves. We desire food, water, shelter, sex, and comfort. God created us with those desires. However, we are born sinful desiring to please ourselves, regardless of God's moral law. Romans 3, colon 10 to 12. My phone's ringing. <laughs> when fleshly desires rule us, taking priority over God's will, they cause us to violate God's righteousness. They become lusts. For example, hunger propels us to find food. Eating is good. It is not a sin. Jesus ate and drank when he was on earth in Luke 24, colon 42. But when hunger becomes a lust for food, it turns into gluttony, which is a sin in Proverbs 23, colon 20 to 21. When natural sexual desires turn perverse, they lead to homosexuality, adultery, fornication, and other sexual-related sins. Those are lusts of the flesh. 1 John 2, colon 17 contrasts the lust of the flesh with its more desirable counterpart, pleasing God. The whole, the world, is passing away, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God remains forever. In other words, if we follow the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, we cannot do the will of God, and therefore will not inherit eternal life. Matthew 7, 21, 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, and Galatians 5, 19-20. Those who have been born again by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus will continually put to death the deeds of the flesh. Romans 8, 12-14. We will not allow the lust of our flesh to control our lives. Rather, we will choose to consider ourselves crucified with Christ, Galatians 2, colon 20, so that we might live for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, colon 31. <clears throat> Why is the lusts of the flesh combined with this uh, today? Well, actually, my intention today was to discuss fake Christians. But, it was part of my sermon that I did about broken hearts. And 
because I was having a struggle with my own desires of my own flesh and my own hearts, which was ruling me, and I had to um, put it in its place and break my own hearts um, and submit to the will of God, not to my own flesh, I learned some very important lessons that I put God as number one and I seek to please him above myself. I don't follow the lusts of the flesh. This is a very big test for me. And I feel not broken hearted anymore. I feel on top of the world. I feel very happy with the Lord, very pleased that um, I have been tested, that I realize that it's so easy to deviate away from God. <laughs> um, and that would be a, if I did follow my lusts of my flesh, then that would be a hypocritical behavior. And it would also be fake Christian, but it would also be lusts of the flesh. And this is where I believe that the Lord wants me to combine the two headings in this thesis today. So when you um, come to God, um, sometimes you'll come to God and become a Christian. And then because you have not fully understood the word of God and you're not hanging around with the right people, uh, your identity is confused. And so you think you're still this old person and you can't really identify who you are because you've got now your heart leading you if you know someone lust if someone from your past comes into your life they can be very tempting <laughs> because uh, especially if you've you know really enjoyed who they are and what, all those nice things that come with the desires of the flesh uh, but if you um if you get confused then there's a clear sign that You've got a battle of wills going on inside you. And you've got to listen to the spirit, which only comes through surrendering and admitting that you're a sinner and accepting the free gift of Jesus Christ. So remember Jesus when he said, I have to go, but where I'm going, I'm going to build mansions for you, but also I'm going to leave my helper with you, this Holy Spirit. So this Holy Spirit is there. <laughs> so we actually have everything we need. So this is where if a person doesn't listen to their Holy Spirit, they can get led astray and therefore then become a fake Christian because they, you know, say one thing but do another. So it's about action. Um, and so you don't want to be a fake because then if, if it's a lie, it's not real. Yeah. Uh, the only tr thing that does exist is the truth. That's why I reckon this world is not real. It's it's only made real through the truth because Jesus is the door and the only way. He's the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, the Word, the truth, the light and the life. The devil is dead, lived backwards, and he is darkness, sin and death. So if there's any traps that are put before you, this could take you out of the light and into the darkness. So by sinning, and following the lusts of your own desires, you can become a fake Christian, but also you give um, rights to Satan and his demons to enter your life and make it difficult. Um, because you're now not on the team of God, 
you're on the team of Satan because you're displaying characteristics of non-believers, the pagans. So also when we got rescued from Egypt, the Lord uh, said to us, you know, you need to follow my commandments uh, because if you don't uh, and you become wicked like the people I've just rescued you from, I will disown you. I'll I'll put you back into slavery and you will work the land, but you will never own it. And that's precisely what he's done. So he's, you know, he's true. Um, and so here we are. <laughs> so that also brings me to uh, a conversation which I had this morning about Bill Gates. And someone was getting really upset about Bill Gates. And, um, well, I might as well tell you what happened with me. So, uh, when this all kicked off, I actually went online and I started really sh- slagging off Bill Gates, cursing him, um, feeling he was an evil man and all this stuff. And I really, really was, you know, going for it. And, uh, then the next day, the Lord told, oh yes, I had a dream that, um, uh, Bill Gates was my boyfriend <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I really liked him in my dream as well. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's so strange. So anyway, when I woke up, the Lord said, you must remove those posts. I said, why, Lord? This man is evil. He said, it's not my will for you to do this. I haven't endorsed it, called you to do it, and you won't have my protection because according to what the Lord was showing me, Bill Gates is fulfilling the will of God. This is part of the judgment. And who am I to go up against Bill Gates? Because I don't have the Lord's endorsement or calling or authority in it. I have... He also t- told me I didn't, I wouldn't have any protection against the repercussions of this. So I had to quickly, very quickly remove these posts. Mm. So by all means to expose them, yes, do videos and whatever, what is really going on and how it all ties in. Uh, fine. But, um, that was a very big thing for me. And also, as things have progressed, the more I've realized that God is in control of everything. And actually, everything's a test. So, he's testing your heart, because he can see inside what you're thinking, what you're feeling, if you're desiring someone that you shouldn't be, if you're scheming and plotting, whether you get enjoyment out of someone's downfalls, whether you're jealous, whether you secretly hate someone. And, you know, I've had these things go on in my heart and my mind, and I don't like it. So I surrender it, and I say, God, I don't like those thoughts and feelings. And so that's all I can do, and pray that he will improve who I am. Because I wish to please him. And that's, I think, the ultimate thing is 
that you put God number one and then he will give you all the desires of your heart. But many people, what they do is they follow the lusts of their flesh and they put God as number two. And then they they have no way of following God's instructions because now they're, they're being led by their own lusts and their own fleshly desires and their heart. The heart is a wicked, wicked thing. Really, it is. Very interesting, it is. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I know it says it in the Bible, right? But I just had no idea how powerful um, the, the heart can be. And it very, it's very, very, very hard to fight the desires of your heart. Oh, gosh. I've just encountered that. But I know that God has given me victory over all my fleshly desires. And uh, so if you catch yourself doing these things, thinking these things, just pray to God immediately and say, look, I really don't want to think that. I pray you will help me with that. Mm, that's all we can do. Because we're growing, you know, when you've handed your life to God and you surrender, it's usually because you're broken and the Lord fixes you right up. And he takes your old heart, throws it in the bin, and gives you a new heart. This also makes you much more sensitive, much more raw with real situations in life. And this also makes it so important then to surround yourself with like-minded people and like-minded Christians who are true in the word and not fake Christians. Because what can happen is you can believe that someone's coming to God, they may be coming to God and they may be a partly Christian, <laughs> but it's not true Christian. So the truth or lies, you can't sit on the fence, it's either black or white, there's no grey areas. There's no hypocrites allowed in heaven. Yeah, double-minded and all those things, no good for God. And so you're no good because you're flaky. God hates flaky and he hates wimps. So you need to be strong in the word. And so... This is what I found. So then these are sent to test you. So you believe that then these people are a Christian because they've told you they're a Christian. And before you know it, you're hanging around, you're bonding, you're getting along really well. And you can start looking at them as a companion potential only to find that actually the, the person is a a liar and a thief, a cheat and an adulterer. And this can happen because, you see, if you let it slide, yeah, you let one thing slide, the gloves are off and uh, basically anything's okay. So that's why it's so important to stand by the truth and only the truth. And so if you accept lies and um, cheating and stealing and all those things, then basically what happens is that person doesn't look at you like a true Christian as well. It's interesting because you don't stand up for the truth. So you have to stand up for the truth also. So very interesting it is. But also the more you're accepting of lies and stealing and all those things, the more you in your subconscious mind and your heart, 
also very happy to hear that because it's saying, oh, it's okay to steal. It's all right. It's only a little bit. It's only a little thing. It's only a little lie. And before you know it, you're following your lusts of your flesh and you're justifying behaviors that make you a hypocrite and a fake Christian. It's who you hang around with as well. What you decide is acceptable. Um, because also you become who you hang around with. Hmm. I was talking with someone I know about this because they've got a union with someone who is not confident in in their walk with God. They're a new believer and they've tried to bring them to God and they're really in a union already, very happily, and, you know, they're in love. The trouble is... Um, along the journey, they've also lost their way as a Christian because the other person has convinced them of other strange, weird beliefs about God because they don't really follow the Bible. They follow different videos and different things on TikTok about, you know, philosophical, uh, weird beliefs, um, you know, Gaia, the Mother Earth, the, all of these fake Religions start to become prominent in that relationship because the person who's a Christian is not strong enough in the word and they haven't got a regular union going on with other Christians and a regular union going back with God. And eventually what happens is they start to doubt who God is and they lose their faith. And uh, the person that they've made a union with, because they're not of God, has a different structure of uh, principles. So their um, the way of conducting themselves isn't in keeping with the Bible and truth and love and light and all those nice things. So they, um, they, they don't have the ability to connect spiritually or emotionally, mentally, through the spirit or the soul. Even though there's a, a physical union which has now taken place, there's also a battle going on. Yeah, because it's a battle of wills. And so, um, they get confused and, um, the Christian gets confused. And basically, it's very, very hard to pull that person back out of that situation where they come back to God. Um, so this is what I've discovered. It's uh, the only way I can explain it is uh, if you come to God, Satan will send so many things to try and take you away from God because it's all about your soul and being a child and getting your inheritance and your deeds dictate your deeds. All of it is the will of God as it is written and our inheritance comes from the will once it's executed. Yes, notice the word executed. Jesus had to die for the will to be executed. So, I believe we're in the final days where God is separating his children. And he says, come out of them. And I think this is very important. Separate yourself from non-believers or partial believers or fake Christians. Yeah. Be careful. And, you know, sometimes you might think, oh, I can help them, yeah? Okay. 
And uh, but this can, what can happen is then you become friendly and too friendly, and um, you get led astray. So you can help them, but then you've also got to just help them with gentle kid gloves from a distance. Uh, basically, uh, everything that happened in the Bible with Jerusalem and Judah, when Judah refused to submit to the Lord's will with Nebuchadnezzar, they decided to r- try and round up help from Egypt. And basically, they, they will never have ha- the help from Egypt because they, they've forgotten the principles of God. That God is in control of your enemies, okay? and your friends. He's in control of everything and he's testing you to see whether you trust in man or whether you trust in God. And if you truly believe in God, whether you truly believe in his word, whether you truly believe that God can rescue you from any situation, he's testing your faith. And this comes only through regular testing you won't know that God is real and that he can come to your rescue unless you've been tested and you've come through those trials and you've trusted in God and you've repented and you've prayed and you've gone, oh, sorry, I don't know what, if I've done something wrong. Why is all this happening? Um, if it's a test, then please help me get through it. See, everything, no matter what happens to you, you can come to God. Even if you've done something wrong, it's an opportunity for you to build your relationship and your strength like a muscle with the Lord. And and it's back to being humble as well. Because <laughs> God doesn't like pride and he doesn't like you to sort of think you're something you're not. So that's the other thing I found. Soon as I get a, a bit big for my boots, God sends all sorts of ways to make me uh, recognize who I am. That I'm no one. I'm absolutely no one without Christ and it is him inside me his spirit that now walks before me and speaks for me but only if I'm pure if I go off and sin that spirit doesn't work anymore because I've rejected it if I sin against God you see when I'm sinning I'm doing something wrong it's saying a lot of stuff it's saying I don't trust God um, I want to follow my own will. Uh, I therefore don't rely on the atonement and the blood sacrifice because we're all fleshly sinners. Um, and it separates me from God. This also gives Satan full access to my life and who I am and my heart and everything else. So you know in the stories of Job where he's tested, this was because Satan had said to God, oh, you know, I bet if we took everything from Job, he won't love you anymore. Yeah? He'll hate you. And so God said, okay, you can do that. And basically Job lost everything. (laughs) Even his wife was saying, oh, why do you even follow God and all the rest of it? You should abandon God, you know, how can God let this happen? And all his, all of Job's friends also thought that maybe Job had become, had done something very bad and that's why God was punishing him, yeah? But no, it was because Satan came along and said, I bet if we took everything from Job, he won't love you anymore. So uh, Job 
stuck by God, no matter what happened. You know, he even became full of sickness. Um, and he lost everything. And he wouldn't let go. So we need to be like Job. That's why it's uh, called Job, not Job. Um, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we've got that illustration in the Bible that no matter what happens, you need to hold on to God and trust in God um, because he's the only way. Um, you get a lot of people who have gone through similar things to Job and they've hated God and they, they will get angry with God and they'll say, oh, how can you let that happen to me? And they hate God. Like maybe their mother dies or someone in their family or they lose their wife or something and then they hate God because they think it's so unfair because if God's real, how can he let that happen? And um, all of those things. See, our days are numbered and our hairs are counted. God knows our hearts. And sometimes people have children, babies, who die, and people get angry at God for that. But, you see, that child might have only had to come to earth to experience one cuddle with their parent. You should thank the Lord that they're not here experiencing all the evils of the world, that they were saved. <laughs> yes, and when someone does die, it's us. We're mourning the, the dead. Um, and, well, they could be alive in, in heaven if they're saved. So that's the other thing. So, you know, if we know that, we should be actually be celebrating for them. That reminds me, on my way back from the shop yesterday, I passed this uh, horse and carriage, and it was so beautiful, white horses with a carriage, and it was white. I thought, oh, what's going on, a wedding? And I looked, and there was a glass, it was a glass box in the carriage. And there was a little tiny white coffin. And I, you know what went through my mind? I thought, well, shame, a baby's died. But I thought, there they are. That's how you should be when you celebrate the death of somebody. And then what went through my mind is I was thinking, well, when a child is born, we don't parade a, a horse and carriage and the little child down the street, do we? It's interesting how we do things, don't you think? When people die, we normally wear black, don't we? So uh, it's all about the Lord. Actually, everything's about God, every single little thing. And it's very humbling, it is. It is. But you must know that if you are listening to me today, that God has a purpose for your life, all according to his will and his word. You are called. You have an anointing and an appointing on your life. M many are called, few are chosen. Make sure you're one of the chosen, and that's where you have to stick to what God wants and the truth only. Um, the other thing to remember is if you get slightly swayed to believe lies, it um, it also breaks your compass, so you can't distinguish lies from truth. So that, you know, if you decide that lies are acceptable, then basically you haven't got an idea of true north anymore, and your compass is broken, 
And so that also confuses you and you have no direction because your compass is out of sync. Okay. That's why it's so careful. You've got to be so careful and you've got to know how to look for true Christians and what to look for. Okay. And also the lusts of the flesh. Which all connect with the heart and God's will, not your will. I pray that this has helped you today. It's Aisha from God FM. If you wish to find us, you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, Samsung, Chrome, BitChute for all our videos, YouTube for all our videos, Rumble for all our videos. I quite often do uh, little show reels for my my sermons and uh, my my radio broadcasts. So hopefully uh, this will help you and I give you imagery and all sorts of things as well. Please know that God is standing right with you. His name is I am. So I say, I'm going to the shop. I know that God is with me. Yeah. By the way, on Telegram, we're on several channels. Uh, God FM News, God FM Sermons, God FM Bible School and God's Home School. We also got FM Media for all our media creations, videos, etc. If you wish to email me, please do admin at godfm.org.uk. Let's close with the sinner's prayer. I pray this has blessed you. I pray that whoever listens to this has incredible understanding about truth and lies and real Christians and fake Christians and lusts of the flesh and that the Lord will bless you in every way. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you came to earth and died on the cross for my sins. I know you are the Son of God and I know that I am a sinner. I beg forgiveness for my sins. I wish to follow you. I am washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am saved and reborn in Jesus. I thank you, Father. I cast out all demons, hexes, curses, witchcraft, Satan and his cronies in the name of Jesus. And if my family have followed pagans, witchcraft, Satanism, Freemasons or the Masons or any tarot readers or Ouija boards or any pagan festivals, I ask that you release me and my family from any generational curses and break those chains, past, present and future, in the name of Jesus. And if anybody has put curses or witchcraft on me or anyone listening, please remove the bondage of those chains, break those chains and turn it into a blessing instead. I pray right now that you will reward your children in, in Christ and show them that you are this mighty God to the rescue. <laughs> I pray that wherever we go, we shine the light of Jesus and that the demons will flee, but new people will come to Christ in the way that we conduct ourselves, that we may be pleasing to you and draw more people to the truth and to Christ. I pray that you'll provide all our needs so that we're not going to go off and sin and that we're not an embarrassment. So we need all of the things to keep us housed and fed. And so I pray you provide in abundance all those things and that we are not tempted beyond our measure and that you are there standing before us. Please show us your love. We acknowledge you for being this amazing, righteous, wonderful, kind, gracious, truthful God. And we're so grateful to have an amazing God. May all knees bow before you and worship you and sing your holy praises. 
and let it be on earth as it is in heaven, uh, because the kingdom of God has come upon us. As Jesus told us, we are children of God, and we pray that we will be pleasing to you and worthy to receive our inheritance and claim it. As it is written, according to your will and your word, I thank you for loving a wretch like me. I pray for all our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. The Lord will give you strength and peace and courage, joy, victory over any challenges. Let the Lord walk with you and you will know he's there and you will not be afraid, but you will only trust the Lord and not man. I pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ. It's Aisha from God FM. I hope you have an amazing day. Take care. Bye.